So I'm so happy to see all of you. Welcome to those who are with us online, those who are listening later. God bless you all. I'm really honored to be here and to bring the word of the Lord today. My name is Jody. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I, I just want to share with you a, a little bit of a continuation. I started to talk last week about uh, just a breakthrough. I really felt like the Lord was, was really beginning to bring a breakthrough to me. And, you know, I've been through a long season of grief, uh, a long season of, it was a pretty dark time, pretty hopeless time. And, you know, a lot of the songs that we sang this morning in worship really relate to that. You know, even in the, in the, the highlands and the heartache, you're still God. Even when I don't see you, you're still sovereign, even in the darkness of the night. And, and I just want to tell you that the Lord has a breakthrough for you. I'm telling you, don't lose heart. Don't give up. I know that it's exhausting. I know a lot of you are at the point now where you're just like, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I can't see it happening. But remember that song, Waymaker, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. And I just want to encourage you this morning. I want to just share kind of the continuation. I had probably one of the best weeks of my life this last week, and I'm not even exaggerating. And it started, as I mentioned, on, on Saturday last week, and, and Sunday was just, just a sweet day for me. And then on Monday, I left to go to our fall conference. Uh, if, you're, if you're here for the first time and you don't know, we are part of a larger group called Foursquare. And uh, we're, we're part of a smaller part of Foursquare. Our district has just been reconfigured. And so they had the choice of three different places where we could go for our conference. The Fall Pastors Conference. So we could have either gone to Orangevale, California, which is right outside of Sacramento. We could have gone to Vegas. Ooh. Of course, I couldn't have told, told you anything when I got back because whatever happens in Vegas stays. Anyway, the third place was Carlsbad, California, which is in the top three favorite places on the face of the earth for me. I love Carlsbad. Anybody been to Carlsbad? It's like 25 minutes north of San Diego. And um, I got there, and so I drove in on Monday. I got, there, I got there quite early, and so I just drove along the coast and rolled the windows down, just listened to the ocean, and I actually even started to enjoy the smell of the ocean, which I've never done before. You know, you, you see those candles, and it's like ocean breeze, and I'm always like, ew, <laughs> the ocean kind of smells gross. But this time, it was actually like, wow, this smells, you know, I was just taking it all in, that sea air, and, and I just, like, I logged so many miles on the beach. It was just it was so beautiful. And so the first day, you know, I just was walking along the beach and just praying and just, you know, spending time with the Lord. And, and I just felt like he just like reminded me that he had these promises for me. So the conference started Monday night. Oh, I, I want to back up just a minute for, um, for those who, who are wondering what in the world Foursquare is, 
Uh, Foursquare stands for four of the essential characteristics of who Jesus Christ is. So I'm going to teach them to you right now so that you can answer back if anyone ever asks you. The first one is Jesus the Savior. Say that, Savior. Jesus the Healer. Healer, say that. Jesus the Baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Let's try that again. Baptizer with the Holy Spirit. And then the last one is Jesus is the soon coming king. Say soon coming king. So Jesus is coming back. That's a promise. Yeah, heck yeah. He's like, heck yeah. Jesus is coming back. But in the meantime, we can still live in his presence. Remember last Sunday, if you were here, I talked about the scripture. I ended the message with, in God's presence is the fullness of joy. Yes? It's in his presence that we discover the fullness of joy. So that even though we've gone through COVID, even though we've gone through really hard times, we've gone through times of devastation and times of discouragement and depression and anxiety and and maybe addiction and uh, despair and hopelessness and all those things, hold on because there's a breakthrough coming. So we started, I went to the conference on Monday night and our our uh, new district supervisor, his name is Billy Calderwood. And by the way, uh, his son, Jeremiah, is in the hospital. He has Guillain-Barre, and it's very bad. And he asked, um, they've asked if we would pray. So would you just indulge me as we pray for 23-year-old Jeremiah, who's really struggling right now? Would you guys join me? Father, we just lift up Jeremiah right now, Lord, and we thank you for his life. We thank you for the call that you have on him. We ask in the name of Jesus right now that you would heal him. Jesus, we do believe you can still heal today, Lord, that that you are still the healer. And we also believe that you are the Prince of Peace. And I pray that you would give Jeremiah peace right now. Lord, I know he's a drummer and he, he can't even move on the left side of his body. We just ask God that you would show your mercy. And I pray for the family. We ask that you would give them wisdom and peace and bless the doctors, give them great insight um, into how to, how to help the situation, Lord. And we just thank you that you are good in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, anyway, so the conference our, our district supervisor, Billy, spoke, and it was a really encouraging message. And one of the things that he was talking about was how we, as an organization, are going back to our roots, which were, which were based in the move of the Holy Spirit, the, the increase in word of knowledge and word of wisdom and, and um, prophecy and all of these really awesome things. And if, if you've never heard of any of this, you can do a study on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, which talks mostly about the love, that that's the most important thing, having to do with spiritual gifts. But 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, that talks about the different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so Billy, he was sharing with us how he really believes that this is something that the Lord wants to do in and through us. How many are excited about that? And so, so um, at the end, he offered an opportunity. He said, he said, I really believe that the Lord wants 
to move in this place right now. He said, I really believe that, that if you have a word of knowledge, which just means simply that you know something supernaturally, that you would not have known any other way. And so uh, he said, if you have a word of knowledge for someone, or if you have a word of wisdom, or if you have a prophetic word for someone, not pathetic, but prophetic word for someone, now is the time to give it. And so that was how we basically closed the service. And, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of told me to just wait. And so I was, you know, trying to be a servant, <laughs> giving that a try. And I was just like standing there going, you know, Lord, do you want me to speak to someone? Do you have a word for someone else? All of a sudden, this elderly woman, she's probably in her, in her mid to late 80s. She comes up to me and she grabs my arm. She looks right at me and she says, I have a word from the Lord for you. And I'm like, when a woman with that kind of experience and authority and conviction comes up to you and tells you she has a word for you, for you, you listen carefully. And it was almost scary. The things that she was speaking to me, it was like she had been reading my journal. I'm not even kidding. It was that spot on. She was, she was saying things to me that I had spoken verbatim in my prayers just between me and Jesus. And it was so entirely encouraging. It was amazing. And I just, I mean, I was like ugly crying, just like wailing. And I was like, I received this. I received this. I mean, there was virtually no way she could have known the things that she was speaking to me. It was, it was, it was mind-blowing. And I felt like the Lord was saying, this is not just for you, but this is for the adventure. And I just want to encourage you. I know that the season has been long. I know that it's been painful. I know that it seemed really dark and hopeless, and you wondered if God's forgotten you. You've wondered if God's really that good. You've wondered if you're ever going ever gonna to see the light again. I just want to tell you, hold on. A breakthrough is coming. Hold on. But the picture the Lord gave me the next day when I went for a walk on the beach I just pictured, you know, walking along the beach and all of a sudden it was like the waves, you know, how many of you have ever seen the ocean been like literally there? There is something so mysterious. I love the mountains. Don't get me wrong. I claim those mountains. Those belong to me. But, <laughs> but there is something so mysterious and so powerful that just it speaks of our creator and and watching the waves and the waves are so mysterious you know it was like it was like this one day um all of a sudden there was this surfer and he's like you know he's got his surfboard and he's running down the stairs and all of a sudden he sees he stops and he sees the waves he's like oh my goodness and he just ran down and he sprinted in and he got in I mean apparently that you know the waves vary you know when you're a surfer I don't know much about it but he was amped. He was so excited. And I mean, the waves that day were just massive. And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, 
That's what my presence is like. My presence is like the ways of the ocean. It's unpredictable. And you don't, you can't see when it's coming. You don't know the power. There was this one really long, like just a huge pathway of rocks that went probably from here to the back of the room. And I was like, you know, climbing on these rocks, you know, and I was like, I I wonder if I should go to the end. And then immediately after I did that, this massive wave came up and doused the whole thing. And I was like, probably wouldn't be that great for my phone or my life. So I just decided to stay back, but just sitting there and just feeling the power of the Lord and just knowing that his presence can be like that. You don't know when his presence is going to show up. You don't know when he is going to just knock you over with his goodness. But you have to be on the beach to experience it. And I feel like the beach represents God's, God's presence. It represents making yourself available to just be with him and just say, Lord, speak to me. You know, and God doesn't always speak to you like right when you ask him to. Anybody ever notice that? It's usually like when you're brushing your teeth or doing the laundry, for those of you who do laundry, or, you know, taking a shower or or whatever, right? Or gardening. You know, the Lord, but you make yourself available, you know, there was this um, couple that came to our church in California, and they they operated in the gift of knowledge. They they just would know things, and they were these. This it was a Scottish couple, and my husband who had just come gloriously to Christ. He was like a zealot, and he ran up to this elderly Scottish guy who was just so Christ-like, and he ran up to him and he goes, "I just got saved. Now what?" And the guy goes, you've got to make yourself available to God. My husband's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but I mean, like, like, what else? And he goes, make yourself available to God. And that's what I'm saying right now. Be in his presence. Be with him just aware that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those whose hearts are fully his. He wants your heart. So don't give up. Keep believing. Keep trusting that God has a breakthrough for you. Anybody need to hear this this morning? Yeah. God's got a breakthrough for you. So we're going to talk about keeping the main thing the main thing. This morning we're, we're in a series called Grace Through Galatians. And we're talking about the book that actually Martin Luther, the guy who is the founder of the Lutheran Church, he claimed that he was married to the book of Galatians. This book is about the topic of grace. And it's grace through the book of Galatians. And that's what we're going to be focusing on because there's a reason. There's an entire book of the Bible that is focused on this because we as humans tend to get off course so easily. And so today we're going to start in chapter two. Um, We're going to be talking about several different things this morning. Um, We're going to be talking about religiosity, religious spirits. We're going to be talking about circumcision, um, I'm going to have volunteers at the end. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, 
We're going to be talking about <laughs> the law, the letter of the law, the things that, you know, people try to put on you. Um, and we're going to be talking about keeping the main thing the main thing, which is the presence of the Lord and God's grace that we can find within the midst of that. So um, Galatians 2, starting in verse 1. This is Paul the Apostle. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So there are two Testaments in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Paul the Apostle was a Jewish zealot. He was like the, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was like, like, a, like a big deal. He was a super big deal in the, in the Jewish faith. And he had a radical experience, a radical encounter with the presence of God. The Lord blasted him and saved him radically and he is writing this letter to the Galatians. And he says this, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, who was a Jewish believer, Barnabas. So they already knew him and taking Titus along also. Now Titus was what's called a Gentile believer. There are Jews who believe in the Jewish traditions and there are Gentiles who are not Jewish. That's the distinction. And so he took up one Jew and one Gentile, and he took him to Jerusalem. And it says, I went up according to a revelation. So what he's saying here is that the Holy Spirit spoke to him and told him to go back to Jerusalem, which was the, the pinnacle, the, the Mecca of Judaism. And he went back there to meet with Peter, James, and John the disciples. But it says, I went up according to a revelation and presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. Okay, what is the gospel? The gospel is that we cannot save ourselves with our own good works. That the only way that we can be guaranteed that we can live forever in heaven with God is to receive the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered for us on the cross. Jesus Christ is God himself who took on human form, lived a perfect life, and was crucified on our behalf. He was sacrificed on our behalf so that we could receive his forgiveness and be born again of his spirit and live forever. That's the gospel that Paul preached, okay? So he's saying, I presented to them the gospel I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those recognized as leaders. Now he's talking about the original gang that hung out with Jesus, He's talking about Peter, James, and John. He's talking about the ones who saw the miracles, the ones who walked with Jesus and were discipled by Jesus. He says, I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running in vain. So the Jewish faith is based on the 613 laws. I said 633, I added 20 earlier, but it's 613 laws. And what the Jews taught was that you have to, keep every single one of those laws. And those laws were weird. I mean, there were a lot of just like really strange things that you're like, why in the world is that in there? You know, some of them are, you can't even say in mixed company, you know, because they're like so weird. And the Jews really believed like you had to keep those, like you couldn't eat any meat with the blood still in it. That's not one of the weird ones, but you, you know, like you couldn't, 
couples couldn't be intimate when the woman was on her cycle and, um, you know, you could tell, uh, like you couldn't, um, couldn't eat certain foods. You had to do certain things at certain times. There were all kinds of things you had to do to get cleansed, like natural bodily functions and all kinds of weird things. So that's the law. And the Jews taught that you had to keep all 613 of those laws. But the, but the one thing that they missed was that God is completely holy and God is perfect. And that if you've even sinned one time, you disqualify yourself from going to heaven. That's the bad news. But what the good news is that God himself became that sacrifice and offered himself. And so that's the gospel that, that was being taught to the Jews. But then there was a bunch of people that came in there called the Judaizers. And these guys came in there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole Jesus thing is great. That's awesome. But you still have to comply with all the laws of Judaism. And what Paul is saying here, I mean, the last chapter, he was like severely ticked off and he's like, no, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that we are saved by grace, period. But so many people want to put a comma there and add the the Jesus plus something or else. Jesus plus. And Paul is saying, no, Jesus, period. And this is our natural tendency. We start to take things on that we think, oh, okay, I want you to just think about this. We're going to do a little self-reflection right now. I want you to think, what are the things that you have to do in order to be in God's favor. What do you have to do? Love one another? Is that a bad thing to do? That's a great thing to do. Does it save you? No. What are some other things you have to do? Pray, maybe? Is prayer a bad thing? Prayer is awesome. That's how we communicate with God. That's how we pour out our hearts to God. But does it save you? How about this? How about reading the Bible? Like I tell you every week, read this book. Is that a bad thing to do? No. Does it save you? No. How about giving? How about being generous? Is that a bad thing? That's a good thing. Does it save you? What Paul is saying is that they're trying to get you to believe that you can be saved, but you have to do these other things on your own. And that's what he was, he was going to Jerusalem. It was kind of a little bit of a test to see like, are Peter, James, and John preaching the same gospel that I'm preaching? Because he knew that they being Jewish, that if they expected Titus, who is not Jewish, to be circumcised, that he was going to know that they were not on the same page. But when, the, when he went up there and he took Titus, and here it says in verse 3, it says, not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised. How many of you men would ever be compelled to be, I mean, <laughs> really? We, um, one of the teachers at the conference was talking about circumcision in, in Joshua chapter 5, and, and it, it's talking about preparing God's army to go into battle. And, and so they're like, what do we do, God? And then God's like, oh, well, you guys need to be circumcised again. Now, he doesn't mean re-circumcised, but he means that they had kind of lost that whole, the whole uh, ritual, which really what circumcision is, 
I'm not going to explain the physical thing, but what circumcision is, is it's a way of, of saying that you are set apart for God. That when you stand there fully naked, it's evident that you have devoted yourself to God. It is the cutting away of flesh. I do this. Cutting away of flesh. <laughs> so violent. <laughs> but that's really what circumcision was. And so, so God's saying, okay, so what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to circumcise all of the guys that were born in the wilderness that have never been circumcised. Now, can you imagine being an army recruiter for the army of Israel during this time? You're trying to get recruits, trying to get people signed up, right? And you're like, okay, so, <clears throat> so last thing, um, you're going to have to sign this, but first, uh, I need to tell you, there's one more thing you're going to need to do. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> it's so funny because the, uh, the guy that was talking, he goes, uh, you, gave, you gave Noah a rainbow. <laughs> Couldn't you just give us a rainbow? Because it says that circumcision is a sign. It's a sign that people are set apart. And so Paul is trying to figure out, are they going to make Titus get circumcised? Because if they do, then I'm going to know that this is not working. And it says that Titus was a Greek, but it says in verse 4, this matter arose because some false brothers. Now, what false brothers are, this is, this is called uh, pseudo-Adelphos. There's not like a perfect translation for it, but basically what these guys were is they acted like they were disciples of Jesus. They acted like they were Christians, but they actually weren't. Now, you have probably come in contact with people like this in your life. These are the people, when you're with them, you feel like they are just like putting you down in their own minds. You feel, when you're with them, you feel like, I am just not good enough. These are the people that you would say about them, they are the holier than thou. That they act like they are superior to you. Let me just say this. That is a religious spirit because the spirit of Jesus is one of love and grace and acceptance and forgiveness. That's the spirit of Jesus. When you spend time in, in the presence of Jesus, even though you might be convicted of your sins, you might have some things that need to be circumcised out of your life, some things that need to be cut out of your life, but you're never going to walk away feeling like, oh, I'm the worst. It says in, in Romans 8, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's conviction of the Holy Spirit, but the people that are these false brothers, these pseudo-Adelphos, these guys, they wanted to make them feel like they were unworthy. These are the people who, you know, I remember we used to work with the San Francisco Rescue Mission. And, um, you know, we would see these people come to the Lord and they would get delivered from heroin. But then some Christ Christians would come up there and they would, and they would be like judging them because they were still smoking. And it's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Avoid these kind of people. If, if you're in the presence of someone and they make you feel like you just don't quite measure up, that is not the spirit of Jesus. 
That is the false brothers, the pseudo-Adelphos, the, the fake teachers. And it says that these guys had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. They were trying to make them come back and say, no, you have to do all these other things. And, and this is what Paul is infuriated about because he's like, no, you don't. You have to believe that's what Jesus called us to. I, uh, when I first became a Christian, I worked in a, a Christian bookstore, which is like a breeding ground for the craziest, crazy people you've ever... I mean, these are all the people that like, they don't have any accountability. They're just on their own. They just think that they're, you know, they usually think that they have some like special gift or some special calling. Well, I was, I was a baby Christian. So I was super hungry for everything God. I wanted to know everything about God, but I wasn't necessarily very, very mature. I didn't really know what the Bible had to say about things, and I wasn't very discerning. Um, so I heard a lot of really kooky things. But there was one guy in particular, and um, he used to come in there, and he was one of these pseudodelphos. He was one of these, like, fake brethren. And... Um, he would walk into the Christian bookstore and he had on like these long flowing robes and he would walk in and he would walk like, like super holy like this. And I was like, wow, that guy is like so spiritual. And I thought, is that what it's like to be really holy? And so, like, I started listening to this guy. He would come in all the time, and, you know, he would just start telling me all these things I had to do, and, like, you know, all these, I mean, I should, it, like, I should have seen it. It should have been a red flag, you know, but he just, he kept talking to me, and I was like, okay, really, really? That's, I mean, I just, I just was so open to whatever, and, um, and then finally, like, he kept coming in. I kept telling these friends of mine, wow, this guy, Evangelos, like, he's, like, he's really holy. But, like, something in me was like, this is weird. <laughs> no, duh. But anyway, finally, he came up to me at one point, and he said, the Lord has spoken to me about you. And I was like, wow, seriously? And he goes, you are supposed to travel around the world with me. And I was like, okay, this guy's a pervert. So at that point, I was like, I was done. I was done. It. And suddenly, <laughs> I realized, okay, this guy is not really sent from God. I should have realized it way earlier on. But you know the kind of people I'm talking about? The people who appear to be very holy. Let me just say, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, everybody's the same. And even here, um, you know, Paul's talking about this. He's like, I mean, I went up to see the apostles, but I'm not that impressed. I mean, we're all the same. You know, we're all the same. James talks about Elijah. It says Elijah, the prophet Elijah, who like did all these amazing things in the Old Testament. He is a man just like us. What? How many of you feel like you could pray and, and stop the rain? Who'll stop the rain? I mean, I don't have that kind of faith. I mean, I can pray it, but I don't, I don't feel like, like Elijah. Do you feel like Elijah? It's like the Bible says we're just like him. 
I just want to say this, you know, there's something in us that believes that we have to do more, that we can't just receive the gospel of grace, that there's something more we have to do. And I just want to say, I'm in grad school right now, and I am just slightly obsessed with my grades. Like I really want an A in every class. Like I care way too much about that. It's bondage, okay? Pray for me. But I'm telling you, I heard, this, I heard this message, and the title of the message alone spoke to me, and it said, you already have an A. Now think about this. In your Christian walk with Jesus, if you are born again, if you have received the forgiveness that Jesus offers for you on the cross, it says that God sees you as righteous, He sees you as blameless. He sees you as completely pure and innocent. In other words, you already have an A in the class. You already have an A. You don't have to keep working. I was saying, I I, I like to, I mean, like I said, I'm a little over obsessed and I I sing the Cookie Monster song. C is for cookie. It's good enough for me. But it's really not. But in my Christian life, I know I've already gotten an A. Not because of how great I am or how much I've done, but because of how great God is and how much Jesus has already done. Amen? Is that not amazing news? And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, you already have an A. You've already, you don't have to keep working and doing these 613 laws. And you have an A. It is by grace you've been saved through faith, not of your own works. And here it says in verse five, it says, we didn't give up and submit to these people for even a moment, these these false teachers, these false brethren. It says, we didn't even submit to them so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. There were these three women, again, when I first got saved, I was, uh, I was uh, very naive and very open spiritually. You know, there's actually a story in the book of Acts of a woman who has a religious spirit. She's walking behind the disciples. She's like, these are men of the most high God. These are men of the most high God. And what do the disciples do? They turn around and they rebuke the demon. They cast a demon out of her. What? I mean, she was saying the truth. Those guys were men of the most high God, were they not? But they cast a demon out of her. And so there are religious spirits that want to make you feel diminished. They want to make you feel like you're not good enough. And don't even give them a minute. Do not even give them one minute. If there's somebody that's trying to speak into your life or tell you like that you don't quite measure up and you're just not good enough, that is not Jesus. That is not the spirit of Jesus. And you know, it says that the enemy, it comes disguised as an angel of light. And so do his demons. They come and they act like evangelos. They're so holy. And they talk a certain way. And they tell you you're not good enough. But someday maybe you can be as good as them. That is like a religious spirit. It says in verse 6, Now from those recognized as important, what they once were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. It says they added nothing to me. He's talking about the guys that Jesus chose to walk with him. 
But Paul's basically saying, to God be the glory, all glory to God. And I just want to say to you, like, we recommend that you, that you watch right now media, that you watch the content, but just know this. Every one of those teachers is a human just like you. They struggle just like you. I struggle just like you. We are all human beings. Do not ever put anybody on a pedestal that only Jesus belongs on. Never revere somebody. I mean, yes, the, Paul does say, follow me as I follow Christ, but with the understanding that we are all in desperate need of a savior. Okay? Yes? Nod with me if you get this. Okay? Some of you don't get it. <laughs> God has already given you that A. You are already in right standing. And everyone else that names the name of Jesus is in right standing too, but they are not better than, they don't have a, a more of an A. They don't have like a whatever's beyond an A. They have an A too. We are all forgiven. We are all saved by grace. Now, some people are further along in their journey and it's good to learn from them. It's good to have respect and it's good to, to learn from people that are, that are older than you in the Lord. And I don't mean chronologically, but just you can learn. You can, you can learn through other people's mistakes. And like, like my sweet elderly Ruth that gave me that word from the Lord. I mean, that woman has probably been walking with the Lord for over 70 years. You know, I mean, I can learn from her, but I also know Ruth probably has her own struggles too. And so this is what Paul is saying. He's like, he says, on the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, what he means is the Gentiles, just as Paul was for the circumcised. I mean, Peter, I'm sorry, the circumcised being the Jews. It says, since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to the circumcised was also at work in me for the Gentiles. Now, what is so amazing about this, which is so cool about this, is that God like clearly communicated to them that they had different callings, that they had different missions, that every single one of you who names the name of Jesus, you have a calling and a ministry that is unique and it's unlike anyone else's. And I know you're probably sitting there going, no, 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 I have all the sin. I have done all these things. The gifts and callings of the Lord are irrevocable. God has called you for a specific purpose. And let me just say this. When you get a new job or when you move or, or when you go to the gym, it's not about your life. It's about the people that don't know Jesus. It's about the good news of the grace of God. We have people all around us who are trying to earn God's approval. They're trying to work and work and work to earn God's love. And he's saying, you've already got an A. You, I already love you. I already died for you. I gave myself up for you. I'm not asking you to clean yourself up. I will clean you up. When I first became a Christian, I was a wreck. I was an absolute mess, emotionally, habitually. I mean, I had lots of habits that did not glorify God that I know that if anyone, any one of these like holier than thou people would have ever seen me, they would have said, she is not saved. Because I just struggled. I struggled. But you know what? Little by little, as I, as I was in God's presence, as I was on that beach, 
with the Holy Spirit, as I was just allowing the presence of the Lord to come in, he took away my desire for the things of the world. He took away my desire for these bad habits that I had. And that's why I'm saying it's like not a religious thing for me to say, spend time with him in his presence talking to him, pouring out your heart. He can handle it. You know, God can actually handle it if you're mad at him. He can. My husband, I mean, we, we were on different pages. Like he would legitimately get in his little red pickup and drive around and just scream at God and yell. I personally felt like that was super disrespectful. So I didn't do that. But he really got a lot of like release and comfort from that. So if you're one of those people and you have like a lot of pent-up anger, let me just say this. I'll probably get a lot of emails about this, but God can handle your anger. If you're ticked off or you don't understand or you're confused or you're feeling forgotten or rejected or you're, you're just, you, don't, you don't get why God doesn't give you that breakthrough, he can handle it. You can pour out your heart to him. That's what it, the psalmist says in the book of Psalms. He's like, pour out my heart to you. And he's like, how long, oh Lord, are you going to forget me forever? How long are you going to hide your face from me? Just be honest with God. He can handle it. I don't know why I got off on that tangent, but I'm coming back. It says um, in verse 9, when, when, Peter, when, when James Cephas, who's Peter, and John, those recognized as pillars, it says, when they acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship, which is basically like a contract. When you give someone the right hand of fellowship, it's like a promise or an agreement that you're, you're receiving them into your, your group. It says, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So here are the two completely different callings, but both of them are right. These are both the callings of the Lord. And faith, our faith does not, we are saved by faith, which leads to works, but our works do not save us. Say that, works do not save us. We are saved by faith. Just believe. That's what Jesus says, just believe. And then it says here, in verse 10, they asked only that we would remember the poor, which I had made every effort to do. This is what's on God's heart. Not just the financially poor, but the poor in spirit too. That's what's on God's heart. God is concerned about those who are suffering. Jesus is called by, by many theologians, the suffering servant. He suffered and he died for us so that we could live. But he is saying, remember the poor. And I just want to applaud you guys, Adventure Church, for your generosity to our churches in the Philippines. I mean, those people are living in utter poverty, dire poverty. And you guys, every time we have ever asked you, you guys have been so generous. I just want to applaud you for that. You guys have been so generous. You know, it says in Proverbs, it says, it says that if, if the poor cry out and you don't help them, it says you yourself will cry out and not be heard. God has called us to be super generous. And we have some amazing 
human beings in this church that, that work with Jesus Feeds. They, they distribute food on Thursdays to people who are on hard times, who've hit hard times. We have Jesus on the move who goes down and feeds the homeless. I just feel like it's the work of the Lord. And I don't mean work like this is what's going to save you. I'm just saying this is what's on the heart of our God. Remember the needs of the poor. Remember those who are in prison. Remember those who are sick and shut in. They're poor. They're, they're hurting. And this is what Jesus has called us to. So I just want to ask you if you'd stand. We're going we're gonna to just do some business before God. How many of you know, anytime you hear a word from the Lord, anytime you hear it, you, you should respond to what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you so that you're not like somebody who looks in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what you look like. To, to make a response before God. So I'm going to address three different groups. I'm going to address those who you have felt like there's something more that you needed to do to earn God's favor. Like there's, there's some, for lack of a better term, circumcision that you feel like you still have to do in order to get God's favor. And God wants to, to just break you. Say this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You don't have to add anything You just believe that Jesus paid the price and respond to that. The second group I want to just address is, you know you've been one of those holier-than-thou people. You've been a a bit of a Pharisee. You've been kind of judgmental. You kind of compared yourselves to others and feel like maybe you're a little better or you, you do things better. You know, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't chew, don't hang out with women that do. You know, you've been a Pharisee and Jesus just wants to say, there's hope for you too. (laughs) Hope for me too. And then the third group is if you have never received the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers on the cross, he he wants to give you new life. It says that, that you can become a new creature, that the old has passed away, the new has come. So can we go before the Lord and just offer those prayers to him? Father, we come before you humbly. Lord, we thank you that you are beautiful. Lord, you are so powerful. Lord, we look up to those mountains and and we just, we know that they declare your glory. Lord, we know that those waves of the ocean represent your power and your creativity. And Lord, right now, I I know there are those here who... um, they have not been able to receive that message of grace. It's just so hard to believe, Lord, that that's it. That there's, there's no such thing as Jesus plus, that it's just Jesus. And Father, I just, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would set them free from that, that yoke. If, if that's you, if you feel like you've got this attitude that there's something more you need to do or that... You haven't earned God's favor. If you could just slip your hand up between you and the Lord. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for these people, Lord and God. We, we know that, Jesus, that there is nothing more we can do except to make ourselves available to you. I just pray that for each one of these who has their hand up, Lord, that, that you would meet them. 
that you would bring them that breakthrough. Lord, you would pour out a revelation of your love on them. Lord, and for those who have um, been judgmental or pharisaical or um, just kind of holier than thou, Lord, I just, if that's you, would you just lift up your hand? Just between you and the Lord as a confession. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, that there's hope um, even for, the, for those of us who have um, maybe put ourselves in your place of judgment, Lord, and felt like maybe um, others didn't measure up, Lord. We just, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. And, and Lord, I just pray for these who have confessed that to you, Lord, that you would set them free to love set them free to love the way you love with no strings attached. Lord, you just love unconditionally. And for those of you, um, you have never said yes to Jesus. You have never given your heart to the Lord. You've never been born again. You've never received the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers for you when he died on the cross and, and rose again from the dead. If that's you, if you want a, a new life in Christ, would you just slip up your hand right now between you and the Lord? Anybody? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Well, Lord, we thank you for the good news. We thank you for the gospel, Lord. I pray, God, that you would make each and every one of us messengers of the good news to the people around us. Lord, I pray a blessing. I pray for boldness that each person in this room would share who you are with their coworkers, with their neighbors, with their friends and family, Lord. I just ask, God, that you would pour through us hope and the message of of forgiveness and freedom that comes only in you. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Next week is a ladies' retreat, so Pastor Kelly will be here bringing the word to you, the second part of Galatians chapter 2 for all the ladies who are going to the retreat. And all the guys, your retreat's coming up the end of October. Love you guys. (laughs) 